Today I want to talk to you today about heroes. I mean godly fathers. Come on, did you catch it? I want to talk to you today about heroes, godly fathers, a.k.a. godly fathers. You know, I think hero and a godly father are synonymous. So if you ever hear me trip up in the middle of this sermon and I say hero instead of father, you know what I'm meaning. And I hope that you see it today for what it is because I know, get it, church, I know our church has a lot of fatherless homes. So the moment I say this, I can actually see people's faces change. As a pastor up here, I can see people's faces change because oftentimes they say, I didn't grow up with a good dad, pastor. And every time you say a dad's a hero or you give it up for the dads, that makes me feel, what's wrong with my dad? Or why isn't my dad here? Or why wasn't my dad in my life? But you know what? I want to tell you something. If your dad is still alive, God has a plan for that man. So you can pray for them today. And whatever hurt they've done, we're not going to justify it. God is their judge, so forgive them and let God take care of it. And then for you, if you are a man, be the best father you never had. You be that for somebody else because that's what I have today is a lot of men in this church that are fathers in a way that they never were a father or had a father to them. And then if you are a woman in this place, marry a man of your dreams that will be a father like you always wanted to your children. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We're in a family series in the book of Ephesians right now, learning our instructions of how to have a happy home. How many want to have a happy home? Now, literally, does anybody here love divorce? Does anybody here love broken families? Does anybody here love disobedient children? No. It is natural for all of us to desire romance and love. It is natural for us to desire children to be happy. As a matter of fact, when I preach to atheists and those who say they don't believe in God, one of the best examples I use to them of God in his existence is morality in the human heart. Because I say if there is no God, we're just animals, people can rape and murder children, and that's okay because rape and murder of children happens in the animal kingdom. And when you watch an atheist go, no, I'm still not okay with that, you have to point them back to the God consciousness that they have because their consciousness is a gift from God. And it shows, hey, if you think there's something wrong with raping a three-year-old, if you think there's something wrong with murdering children, then you have to understand there's a conscience on the inside of you. And so the conscience that we have all cries out for what? Happy homes. Somebody say happy homes. Thank you. And the Bible talks about it. Look at Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So a happy home is going to have mutual submittance unto one another. We're going to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Uh, do you need a wife for a happy home? Yes or no? Yes, you need a wife for a happy home. So here's what wives are to do. Submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the Christ also, as the church rather, submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in how many things? Everything. Somebody say everything. Thank you. Now listen, this does not give permission for husbands to abuse their wives or their family. That is a no-brainer in the Bible. The Bible says if you abuse a child, it's better for you to take a millstone. It's what they used, a big rock to grind up grain, pulled by oxen to go around in circles, this big millstone. The Bible says if you hurt children, it's better to take a millstone and drown yourself in the sea. 
Now, obviously, Christ would rather you be saved than take your own life, but it's going to be miserable on Judgment Day for those who abuse children and those who abuse their wives as well. So we're not here to say submittance or submissions. A submission of wives to husband means husbands get to batter them and mistreat them. We make this church available, so if you're being mistreated by anybody, but specifically a spouse or a boyfriend, come to us quickly, and we will help you even today. So the church is an example of submitting to Christ for the wives to submit to their husbands. Can I hear an amen? Now, how many know that just blew it up for Oprah Winfrey? How many know that just blew it up for Ellen? So you can't have a happy home with two women. Can't have a happy home with a man and a woman living together, not married. Can't have a happy home with two men. So you see, that just taught us something about the order. It needs to be a husband and a wife. How many believe there needs to be a husband in the home now? Amen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church. See, the job of the husband is to make his wife look good. Come on, husbands. Can I get an amen? How about from the wives? Can I get an amen? The job of your husband is to put you above their Nikes, to put you above their car, above the sports, above those things. Husbands, the best way you can look good is to make your wife look good. Because the Bible says, how does he make us look good? God makes us look good as a church by being radiant. Somebody say radiant. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get your shine on. See, you need to get your shine on in the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says men are to do that for their wives, get their shine. I help the women get their nails, their hair done. Now, if the women don't have a sense of finances, they're going to blow up the bank account and spend the rent money. Uh, we got to talk about that. But I know women be working hard for what they have as well, so husbands need to support them. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Men, we need to treat our wives holy and blameless, and that means we don't sin against them either. Look at verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Christ said, you want to know how I think about the church? The church is a part of my body. He said, you want to know what I think about the church? I call the church my bride. Is there anything more important in my life than my body and my bride? Of course not. My body and my bride are the most important things, and from that I can become a father and do all of these wonderful things. But if I don't have a body, I can't make somebody. Oh, y'all get quiet. If I don't have a body, I can't get busy with my wife's body and make another body. So I better have a body. Are you listening? And if I don't have a wife, I can't make another body by myself. So husbands, you are to love your wife as you love your own body and treat her as Christ does the church. And so Jesus takes care of the church. Jesus takes care of his body. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. How many know happy homes need fathers and mothers? What do happy homes need? They need fathers and mothers. One more time, what do happy homes need? Fathers and mothers. Not fathers and fathers, right? Not mothers and mothers. Not father and mother and mother and mother and mother and side chick and mother. No. A happy home has a father and a mother and they're united to the wife and the two become one. 
flesh. Two become one flesh. That's why the Bible's not supportive of polygamy. Polygamy was in the Old Testament. God was patient with them in that culture, but that was never a command, never blessed, and never God's best. God's best, Adam and Eve, two becoming one. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery. What is the mystery here? That two become one in the act of sex. That's the mystery. And then now Paul says it's even greater than that. I'm talking about Christ in the church. So as two bodies come together in husband and wife, the Bible says Christ becomes one with his church. So those here who love sex, if you don't do it the way Christ does with the church, you're going to be a pervert. And that's what perversion is. Perversion is a diversion from the original version. And so sexuality is a physical act of two bodies becoming one body to multiply and make a happy home. And Christ and the church are a spirit, the spirit of God, coming into the spirit of his people, multiplying across the earth. Oh, y'all quiet. You thought sex was just to have fun? No, sex was to exemplify the spiritual union that Christ has with the church. Look at the Bible. Don't just look at the preacher. This is a profound mystery. What did he get off that from? He started from right here. The two will become one flesh. Let's make sure we're all listening. How many know the two become one flesh means sexual union? Okay, how else do two become one? If, you, if that ain't how it works. Come on, birds and bees. So he says, this is what happens. Two become one, flesh. Now he pauses, put on the brakes. This is a profound mystery. What's the mystery? Just two having sex, making a baby? That's beautiful. That is mysterious how children come out of that. Have you ever thought about the gift of life? That's a miracle. But he says it's even a greater mystery, but I'm talking about, somebody say Paul's talking about, Paul's talking about Christ and the church. You become one with God by the Holy Spirit. And I always got to say this because someone's thinking, does that mean Christ has sex with me? No, sex is a physical act. Salvation is a spiritual act. But when God wanted to show you what a spiritual act looked like, he showed you in a physical act called sex. So is sex supposed to be dirty and perverted? No, it's supposed to be pure and holy to becoming one as Christ became one with the church. Verse 33, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And how many know some dudes love themselves? I know we sometimes think girls are the only one taking selfies and doing all that stuff on Facebook and social media, but you got to follow some dudes' Instagrams, taking off their shirt, taking the picture, having these cars, and that aren't even theirs. They find them in a parking lot, and they're like squatting next to that car. Come on, man, take a picture next to this Lambo right here. You know, come on. You know dudes be loving themselves, man. And the Bible says you better love your wife as you love yourself. And then it says the wife must respect her husband. Do you want to know what a happy home looks like? You got to have a wife. You got to have a husband. And the wife should submit and honor her husband. And the husband should honor and love his wife. There's the, there's the remedy for what's going on in our world today. Today I want to talk about children because it involves the message that I want to give to fathers. It's going to be very specific to fathers, though parents are mother and father, obviously. But let me, if I may, today for Father's Day, direct it more towards fathers. As you know, in prior lessons, I directed a message towards mothers. Let's read these four verses together as loud as we can because we believe the word of God. One, two, three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. Thank you. When we look at the order for God's family, this is just what it looks like. If I misunderstood the order, write me on Facebook, or I should say write Lauren on Facebook. But here's how it works. God, church, husband, wife, children. God, church, mother, uh, God, church, father, mother, children. Did anybody see this in the scriptures that we just read? Anybody? Okay, starts with Christ. How many know we can't have a happy home unless we got God in the home? And how many know we're not going to learn about God unless we go to church and hear the word? Where do you think the Bible came from? The church. Where do you think we learn how to do the right things? The church. Somebody says, well, I learned it from my grandma. Well, where did your grandma learn it from? Somebody has to teach it to your grandma. Come on, somebody. The reason why a lot of us had God godly grandmas is because godly grandma went to church and got taught the word of God that the church wrote down in that book we call the Bible. So God, the church, and then what? The husbands, the fathers, the wives, the mothers, the children. So all the children that are here, where are you at? Are you at the top? Are you in the middle, children? You're all the way there at the bottom, but we love you. You're so important, and one day you'll be able to have a happy home. But don't take any of these components away or don't change the order. Now children think they're God. Do you know that there's this one rapper, or I shouldn't say he's a rapper, but he's from the Breakfast Club. He interviews people. He calls himself Charlemagne the God. If they ever bring me on the, the, the Breakfast Club, you know the first thing I'm going to do is point at him and go, you're Charlemagne the false God. The real God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You better repent of your blasphemy before you bust hell wide open. I don't know if they'll bring me back on, but that's what I'll say to Charlemagne the false God. A lot of people now think they're God, but they're not God. You didn't create yourself. You didn't even give the air that you're breathing to yourself right now. You are a creature of God the creator. Take God out, you have a society without any rules and order. They thought in the last hundred years, in the, 19th, uh, in the 1900s, 20th century, they could make utopian societies without God. Che Guevara, Ca uh, Castro thought they could do it in Cuba and Latin American countries. How did that work out in Cuba with food stamps for all the citizens? People in Russia, like Stalin, thought they could do it without God. Mao Zedong thought he could do it in China. Those two maniacs together killed over 50 million of their own people. Hitler thought he could do it without following God. He hated Jews. Jesus is a Jew. Don't tell me Hitler was a Christian, you, you uh, uninformed person. Uh, he's killing Jews, and Jesus was a Jew. Just think about it for a minute, okay? Killed 10 million Jews, many of his own people who resisted him. In the year that they, in the, in the century, they thought they could live without God under evolution. That's what's motivated socialism was that the might makes right. Those who have power can do what they want. They were motivated by evolution. They were motivated by a utopian mindset that we'll bring heaven to earth because we don't need to die to get to heaven. We'll bring it here. And then they were motivated by dictators that said, we'll take the place of the church. We'll tell you as the government what to think and do. And they killed upwards of a hundred million people. Every now and then somebody would be like, well, what about the church and the crusades? First of all, I ain't Catholic, Jack. I'm a protestant against them boys, and they burned us just as much as they burned the Muslims and others. But listen, in the crusades, even with Islam and all of them, hundreds of thousands died. Hundreds of thousands versus hundred million. I'll take a bad, corrupt church any day over a socialistic, Nazi, godless, Germany, Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong. Are you listening? 
But what's the best order? God, church, husband, wife, children. Now, can we go into government and do wonderful things? Absolutely. That's why we have on the dollar bill and God we trust because the foundation of the civilization is Christian families. When you have a Christian family right, your neighborhood's going to be right. When you have a Christian family right, the government's going to be right. The reason why Donald Trump didn't do right by his wife is because he wasn't a godly husband. End of discussion. But if you're going to judge him, Steve Harvey, you better do better. If you're going to do him, Ellen, uh, judge him, Ellen, you better do better. If you're going to judge him, Hillary Clinton, you better not be supporting Bill Clinton, all the jacked up stuff he was doing. Hello! It's about time we take the plank out of our eye, as the Bible says, and deal with what's inside our hearts and inside our families. So the idea is God, church, husband, wife, children. Now we can do everything in civilization. Every single thing can be done from this foundation. The family is the hope of the future. And I believe that fathers are the heroes, I mean leaders, of the family. Can I give you some things to think about now? For the need of godly fathers, it's obvious. I mean, I could see if I was somewhere else today, but I'm in the 21st century. I'm in a major urban metropolitan city. I'm in a city that gets mentioned on the news. How many are tired of Chicago being brought up every time they talk about a jacked up city? Come on. But we all know the reason. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. You remove the father out of the home. What do you have statistically to look forward to? Four times greater risk of poverty. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. More likely to have behavioral problems. More likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times greater risk of the infant, the, the woman losing her baby. More likely to abuse drugs. More likely to go to prison. Two times more likely to suffer obesity. More likely to commit crime. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. Now I want to ask you here. Does anybody disagree with these stats? I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, because when there are exceptions, that means single mothers are exceptional. Did you all just hear what I said? I didn't get a big amen, so I just need to know if you heard me. I'm not saying there's not exceptions, because my mom was a single mom with three kids before she met her, uh, her new man and then had me. But listen, I'm not saying there's not exceptions. Of course there is. But if that was an exception with a single mom, you had an exceptional single mom. Because the mothers that have to face this today, it is hard. It is difficult. And mothers didn't become mothers by themselves. Now, I want to say this to women. Do not feel like you need a man to completely. All you need is Jesus. And for many of you, it's better to be a single mother than to be with that dude that doesn't treat you right. So I agree you had to leave him behind. So I'm not saying you need to be dependent upon a man. What I'm just saying is God designed the man to be a leader in the home, not just a breeder in bed. Men were made to be leaders, not just breeders. And so we know the stats. We know the facts. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Fatherless homes cause trouble. It's hard. It's difficult. It makes life a lot more challenging. And so what I want to do is share a few personal stories from those in the church that have come from fatherless homes. One's a young man and one's a young lady. And I just want you to hear their stories today for two reasons. Here, here are the reasons I want you to hear their stories. Number one, for those of you who are here today and you've been through a fatherless situation, I want you to identify with them and have hope today. And there are some of you that are older, I'm talking 30, 40, and you're still dealing with what you did or did not have from your father, okay? Maybe he was there, but he was abusive. And then when he wasn't there, he wasn't helpful. I mean, you may be dealing with that in your 30s or 40s. But listen, I want you to identify with them and see their 
hope in Jesus. And then number two, all of us here should say we're going to do better, especially the men. Let's give it up for TJ and Jackie as they come to talk about what God did. A father to the fatherless, a helper to the oppressed. Ain't nobody like my Jesus. Let's have Jackie go first. Ladies first. What's up, Familia? All right, you guys, so I only have a couple minutes. I'm going to go straight to it. Um, my name is Jacqueline. I'm 26 years old. Uh, I came to the church about two years ago, um, but before God found me, I used to be that girl that ran away with her boyfriend. She thought that if I left from city to city, that it would always be a new beginning and we could start all over. And so it was all beautiful, colorful roses in the beginning, but it would always end the same way. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much that he would hurt me with his hand, although there was physical treatment. But it was more the words. It was more the way he would treat me. It was more um, the restrictions that I had of speaking to my family and friends, right? During all this time, you might be thinking, what does this have anything to do with fatherless? Well, that's where it began. My, my dad, he, ne he was never a father figure. He was a guy that was always drinking um, ever since I could remember. He was a person that would bring all the beer to the parties and take all the leftovers. He wanted to make sure he could continue to drink for the week. He was a guy that would flirt with every woman that passed by him when he was not sober-minded. He was the man that um, you can find in an alley, you know, drunk because he, he couldn't get home. And we had to carry him home with, like, urine stains in his pants and condoms in his pockets. So that was my dad. And if you guys know somebody like that, bring him to Jesus. Um, but I wish I'm still praying for my dad. And, and that's, who, that's who he was, and that's the childhood I had. Right? It, it stained my memory and it stained my, my thoughts of who and what a man looks like. Um, and it brought me to lead for all, to look for all this love. I couldn't find it at home, so I, I went to the first man that thought I knew what love was. Um, and so since I never understood what love was, when I finally found Jesus and I understood what love he gave, it was, it was, it was mind-blowing to me. I didn't, I didn't know that type of love existed. I didn't know that that was real. To me, that was far-fetched. To me, that was kind of like in the movies, only princes, you know, only they get it. I don't get it. it. It wasn't my reality. And when they first read to me 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, I was like, this is real? This exists? This is reachable? I can have this? I cried, and I was in a restaurant when they told me this. So I, was, I was crying in public. I couldn't understand. I couldn't believe it. Um, it changed my whole worldview. It changed my heart, right? And that's why I stand here before you to testify. You know, God's love is real. God's love surpasses, it surpasses my whole past and has brought me to this point. Um, just recently, I haven't graduated yet, but passed my first year of SUM, um, which is our Bible college. And, um, you know, I'm here to pursue full-time ministry because that's what, that's what God does. He transforms your life. So, yeah, for me, uh, I never grew up with my dad. I never got to meet my dad. Never had, never had a relationship with him. Uh, never got to, uh, got to play catch with him. Never got to play football with him. Never got to do anything with my dad. And so when I was growing up, it was really hard for me. I never had that personal relationship with him. I never got to have that uh, talk with him about you know the birds and the bees and how to you know be a man of God or anything. So it was really hard for me when I was growing up, and it made me really mad. It made me really angry. And so when I was growing up, this is the reason why you know 
I smoked weed. This is the reason why, you know, I talk to the girls, you know, some type of way, you know, not in the right way because because I have that father figure in my life. This is the reason why I, uh, you know, uh, I went to gangs and I, I, I uh, you know, did all these bad things because I never had that father figure in my life. I never had that person, the personal relationship with my dad. I never had that guy who to tell me, hey, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you shouldn't, you should live like this. Hey, you should live holy. You should live pure. You should live righteous. Um, and so when I was growing up, that I never had that. Uh, until I, I gave my life to Jesus, when I, I until I gave my life to God, and, and how um, God became the Father to the fatherless to me in my life. Once I, I once I gave my life to God, and once um, God became the the Father to the fatherless in my life, He taught me how to live holy. He's the one who taught me how to live pure. He was the one who taught me how to live righteous, not to live in sin, not to do bad things, not to lie, not to cheat or steal. He was the one who taught me how to um, be respectful to my mom, how to you know be on. Um, how to uh, teach, um, you know, treat her right. You know what I mean? God was the one who taught me how to do these things. He, it says in his word that he never leaves us or forsake us. So he, he never left me. Even during those times uh, when I was doing all those bad things, he never left me. He, he never forsake me. He was always there. He was always there. You know what I mean? And I, I just praise his name now. You know what I mean? Even in, even in my situation right now, I still praise the Lord because he is the father to the fatherless. He's the, he's the, he's the one who, who leads me. He's He's the one who guides me. He's the one who shepherds me. You know what I mean? And this is what God did in my life. And I don't know uh, many of you guys' stories. I don't know if you grew up without a father or anything, but he is the father to the fatherless. He's the one who loves. He's the one who cares for you. He's the one who uh, his mercy and his great uh, endures forever. And he's there. So if you guys grew up without a father, I'm telling you guys, Jesus Christ is there. God is there for you. He's the father to the fatherless to you in your life right now. Praise God. Let's give it up for these two. They were brave. Amen. There's nothing like knowing that God is your father. Now, does a father prevent people from make, making bad decisions? No. Adam and Eve had a great father, and they still made a bad decision. I had a great father, and I still chose drugs. But what does a great father do? A great father provides boundaries to protect you, lay down his life for you, so that those decisions come very hard, not easy, instead of being a prey for the devil. Think of it just like this. If you were going to uh, sleep out in the you know, Serengeti, out there in the wilderness of Africa, on the the plains there and there's wild animals okay listen if you were going to be there wouldn't you want protection you would want you know a shelter you would want a gun maybe a safari guide would you ever think about taking your child like the children that are sitting here with Angel and Bianca you know would you ever think about just setting them out there by themselves no now can they be attacked even if they have their father or a guard with them? Yes. But the father, the guard, will protect them a lot more than if they were by themselves. Does everybody get that? So we are not to abandon our children to be by themselves and say, well, no one was there for me. They'll be fine. No, we're to be there and to be guards for them. And so thank you guys for sharing that testimony. And God says he'll do that in the church. So we know God becomes a father to us spiritually when we are born again. But how does he enact fatherless uh, how does he enact fatherhood to the fatherless? Literally in the church. Somebody say in the church. See, as TJ and Jackie come, they see other godly men who are fathers, and they get fatherly advice from them. They learn from them, and then they can exemplify what they want to be. So TJ can look up to the fathers here and see the example and say, I want to be a father like that. Jackie can say, I want to marry a man like that. That becomes her new example.
I also have more statistics here, things that you don't hear a lot about in the media because they still want to say homosexuality is something you're born with. It's not. No doctor has ever proven that. It is a choice. That's why we have people in this church, like Sadia, raise your hand, sister, who testified to today uh, preaching to a homosexual and God changing him there at the park. Now, why is that significant? Because she was once a lesbian. Now she's living a new life. So God's not only done it in her, he's doing it in others. And I have people in my life who God has changed, and they are now happily married with children many, many years later. So disconnected fathers, disconnected fathers and absent fathers have a higher rate of their children being lesbians and homosexuals. They don't want to tell you that, but that is true. Another thing that we see is that men who live disconnected from their wives and have a disconnected relationship with their children have higher rates of loneliness and suicide. Right now we're dealing with the suicide epidemic and most of them are dealing with loneliness and it's because they're disconnected from their family and their children. I have the articles right here that you can look up. None of them are written by Christian authors. This is research that is out and is not be spoken of very, uh, it's not being spoken of a lot. Very rarely will you ever hear why we're having the epidemic of, of lesbianism, homosexuality, loneliness, suicide. All of these things are tied together. And let me just show you how abortion and suicide are tied together. If you don't care about the life in the womb, why are you going to care about the life that's alive right now? You see, you'll take your own life just like you'll take a baby's life. Both of them are precious, and you don't have permission to take. You need the fear of the Lord. The Bible says those who don't fear the Lord harm themselves, and they love death. They love the death of unborn children, and they love the death of themselves. It's murder. It's murder to kill a child in the womb, and it's murder to kill yourself. Do not do that lest you find yourself with a quick trip to hell. Are you listening? Well, that might scare them. I hope it scares the hell and the suicide right out of them. Because I see too many people in this church get set free from suicide for me to pretend Dr. Phil's got something to say to this man of God. That, Dr. Phil needs to sit down right here with, with all the rest of them and listen to what the Word of God says. Are you listening? Now, am I saying that Christians can't deal with depression or loneliness? No, they can. It can be a temptation. But you can learn to trust God and find deliverance. Even the old timers will tell you they used to wake up in the morning, maybe not feeling right. But then they would say, I just began to pray and I would give my day to Jesus. Jesus, and then they would say Jesus would come and get a pep in my step, turn my frown upside down. We need that kind of Christianity again that puts God's word to the test. Well, I don't know half y'all amen, but it's true. It's tight, but it's right. Amen, walls. I'll preach this way. I don't know. Come on. And then single motherhood is a strain to women, right? That's, that, that's, that's not something we need to have four more uh, Harvard studies done on. How many know that single motherhood becomes a strain? And like I said, if you are brought up by a single mother that's preventing these things, you have an exceptional single mother. Well, here's a newsflash. Look at your neighbor. Shake him up a little bit. Say, newsflash, newsflash. Read all about it. Come on, newsflash. Come on, shake her up a little bit. Newsflash. There you go. Guess what? You guys want to know the newsflash? Man was made biologically by God to be a father married to one woman and to have children in a happy home. Yes, that's actually true. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, help us in a culture to go back to the basics. Somebody say the basics. Yes, thank you. Man was made biologically by God. He didn't make himself. To be a father. 
You may say, well, some men won't be fathers. That's okay. Jesus wasn't an earthly father, nor was Paul. Bible says there are exceptions to that rule, but the normal rule is to be a father. You say, you may be a man right now. Say, I don't want to be a father. Prove it. Okay, look between your legs when you go to the bathroom. Why do you think you have that? That's to be a father. You're to reproduce you are to use the seed that God gives you to plant it inside the womb of a woman so that from the womb more children can come and the human race can thrive. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Five biblical passages about fatherhood. Somebody say bring it. Thank you. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Why are men trying to be alone running in the clubs? Why are men trying to divorce their wives so they can be alone? Listen to me. I don't care how much you love the cubs. Those cubs will never do what a woman can do for you. Oh, it's quiet, but I'm going to keep preaching. Y'all just gave me more inspiration right now. I don't care how much you love your dudes at the bar. Them dudes at the bar will never do for you what a woman will do for you. You weren't made to be alone. You were made to fall in love. You were made to be a romantic scholar and a gentleman. You were meant to be what someone would want to be with the rest of their life. You were meant to be a leader, a hero. We see that God made woman for this purpose, not just for the man, but for the man and woman to exemplify union and relationship. That's why it says the two become one. Paul quoted it in Ephesians today, didn't he? So did Jesus, by the way. So that's why we follow this model. Look at Psalms 127, verse 5. Children are a burden, and you shouldn't have a lot of them, but have a lot of pets. Is that what the Bible says? Children are just a strain on your life. You're going to need a gallon of wine every night to make it through. No, children are a heritage. From who? From the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Now, I'm not here to say everybody has to have a big family, but I'm saying please never end a ter uh, uh, terminate or end a pregnancy. Have children even if you're not expecting them, please. But the way we're supposed to do it is be married in maturity, having children, and every time we have them, we're supposed to consider them a reward. Have you ever saw the duplicity of our culture? In one moment, they'll be shouting out, pro-choice, pro-choice. And then in the next moment, that same TV show, that same talk show host will be showing you their, their scan of their baby going, oh, look at my baby, 12 weeks old, 20 weeks old. Don't you understand that they were shouting that someone could kill that baby? Now they're honoring that baby. I'm, I, got an, I, got, I, got, I got the idea here. Everybody honor the child no matter how many weeks old they are. Some people say, well, we don't consider them a person until they can take care of themselves. My one-year-old can't take care of herself. Can I kill her? There are some ethicists. Ethicists are people who study ethics in high-faluting colleges, very high up Harvard, Princeton, Yale, very high ethicists with degrees now believe in infanticide. Don't believe me? Research it. Ethicists who believe in infanticide. They believe you should have a year after childbirth to kill them, and they primarily want to sneak this in because of handicaps. Child is born handicapped, just take them out now. Don't even have them live three years of misery. Take them out now. They think that's compassion, but it's wickedness and murder no different than Nazi Germany. Children are a what? Heritage from the Lord, a reward from him. So what should men want more, children or a new motorcycle? I had a man tell me, I don't want any more children so I can get my motorcycle. Come on, somebody say stupid is as stupid does. 
He'll never get from that motorcycle what he can get from a son or a daughter. We wonder why we're so broken and on Prozac right now. It's because we don't know men. Listen to me, men. You don't know the value of a wife and you don't know the value of children. And I don't care how many muscles you have. I don't care what you make at your job and how many vacations you take with your fellas or with your girlfriend or whatever. You will never have what children and wives can give you. They are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Are children born in one's old age, 38 years old, after they lived together for 10 years and tested it out? No, to children born in one's youth. I'm not promoting sex outside of marriage. Does everybody get that? Okay, so don't tell me you're like looking at your teenage daughter right now. You're like, don't listen to that, Pastor. You're not having children in your youth, okay? I'm not promoting that, but listen to what I'm saying. We do not prepare children in our culture to have children in the strength of their youth. We tell them to do 20 things before they have children. And God says, let children be one of the first things on your mind to do as a practicing adult. Give your strength to your children. Can you still do college? Absolutely. Can you still do a trade? Absolutely. You can do wonderful things for God, married and as a parent. Blessed. How many men want to be blessed today? Amen. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend in the opponent's court. Look at Psalms 128, 1 through 6. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord and walk in obedience. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who what? Who fears the Lord, may the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. That's a prayer of blessing. Pastor, pray for me that I can get a new job. I'm going to pray that you get a wife and that you get a family and that you see your job as a blessing to provide for a wife and for a family. Because I ain't just praying so you can get a job to get another car. We don't need more men with cars. We need men to be husbands and to be fathers. Woo! Proverbs 5, 18. Y'all ain't ready for this. I want every man to look up at this and know that God's got your back. Somebody say, God has my back. Proverbs 5, 18. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe. A graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I can't even look at some of you. I'm embarrassed right now. But I just want to tell you, thank you, Jesus. The scripture's in the Bible. Lord, they may think it's not to be brought up in church, but you put it there to be read in church. And I thank you, Lord, that my wife satisfies me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's got your back, fellas. Now, this doesn't mean that we objectify women looking to their breasts, looking to their body. But the Bible says he made us to appreciate their body. He made us to appreciate their beauty. And I'm not just talking about beauty from a magazine. I'm talking about beauty that's first inward, then outward. But the Bible says, may you be intoxicated with her love. I don't got to get drunk on wine today. I'm drunk on my wife's love. Come on. I don't got to look at BigHooters.com on the website today. All I got to do is look at my wife. I'm in love with my wife. I pray everybody has that today. Psalm, five, uh, Psalm 68, sing to the Lord. Somebody say, sing. 
Thank you. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. In God is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in where? Does he set them in the gym? God sets the lonely men in gyms so they can get roided up. Is that what it says? And they can look at each other with their shirts off and oil each other up. I see all these dudes like they honestly think that that's going to take the hole away in their soul. No, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Dudes, if you're here today and you feel like you're living in a sun-scorched land, chances are you're being rebellious to the God-given plan to be a husband and a father. Can I give the men four godly attributes of being a father? Okay, but before I do, I want to play a video of what a father's not. How many know who 50 Cent is? 50 Cent? Okay. It's supposed to be 50 cents, but his name is 50 Cent. Okay. Here's 50 Cent in a new show that's out that really, I think, exemplifies what people in the world especially dudes who aren't saved, think what being a good father is. So you're going to see him prep his daughter's boyfriend prom date for the prom using some of his fellas to help out. And tell me if you don't think that this is how the world defines being machismo or being a man. Go ahead and play that video, please. Now, how many know that's what the world thinks is a good dad? He's an idiot. You know why he's a fool? And I don't say that. I don't say that to just call people names. I'm doing it biblically. Let me tell you why he's a fool. Because he had sex with his baby's mama before they were married. And now he's asking her to date a guy better than him. And now he thinks that he's going to make that guy do what he never did, which is treat a woman with respect by simply showing him some of the game. Never going to work. That's false machismo. That makes you think as a father, oh, I did my part. I was cleaning my gun when my, my, girl, uh, my daughter's boyfriend came up. That does nothing. Nothing. The greatest example that he can set for his daughter is to be a child of God, an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ, a loving husband and a provider and the pastor to his family in the home, in the pew, and everywhere they go. Because having some, some talk with your daughter's boyfriend at the door ain't going to fix anything. And I always tell the story about my friend. He got a girl pregnant at 16. He was 15 years old. He said, I don't want her to have the life that I had. He spent tens of thousands of dollars to send her to the best private school. She only made it to 18 before she got pregnant. I've seen it happen too many times. You will keep repeating the same mistake over and over again because, listen to me, fathers, they're not going to do as you say. They're going to do as you've done. 
So now with his Dago tea, with his wife, with her chest hanging out, he thinks now he's going to bring them into a gang where they're called outlaws, breaking the law. And now he's going to put some standard into his life of godliness? Come on, somebody. We know it doesn't work. What works is fathers who are literally children of God. Fathers, humble yourself. Become a child of God. Become obedient to the commands. Be a loving husband, a provider, and a pastor wherever you go in the home and in the pew. Can we give it up for fathers today? Amen. Fathers, would you come forward today? I want to pray for you and bless you in closing. Fathers, do not leave out today until you take that picture with your cape on because you guys are our heroes. Would you all stand up facing me, please, shoulder to shoulder, man to man? I'm so glad that you all came today. Thank you. I hope that you were blessed. I hope that you heard from my heart that I believe you can make a difference in this world. I know it may seem cheesy to have that cape on, but it's not. It really is not. You guys are the answers to what we're going through right now. I know a lot of us, we like sports, and maybe you like 50 Cent some way. Listen to me. You're doing what they can never do for your kids. 50 Cent can't raise your kids, and that, ain't, that, that is not the example. Your example would be more than 50 Cent ever was. These sports guys can't raise your kids. You can make a difference in their life forever. So, men, we just want to pray for you and honor you and give you these gifts on your way out today. And I'll just tell you what they are because I looked at it a little bit strange. It is a homemade kit to make s'mores. And there's a book in there and there's a bunch of other free stuff. But I looked at it and I was like, man, no man's going to want to make a s'more. It's going to be so hot and all this. And then the ladies told me, oh, you could put it in the microwave. And as a typical dude, I said, I don't believe you. I said, can you make one for me right now? So literally, Griselda had to go make me a s'more to prove it to me. So I want to tell you dudes, you can make these s'mores by yourself today. Put it in the microwave and eat it and enjoy it. And if you share it with your kids, that's up to you. Because this is how my son woke up uh, last night, rather. Not how he woke up, but how he went to bed last night. He said, I can't wait for tomorrow. I said, why? He said, because it's Father's Day, and I heard you're getting s'mores, and I can't wait to eat them with you. <laughs> but isn't that true how, how kids are? Like, he's already like, I'm eating s'mores with my dad. I haven't decided yet whether I'm doing that with him, but I'll leave that up to you. Let's just pray. Father, we come to you as our Father, and we ask you to bless each one of these men today. If they have come from a fatherless home or a place where they didn't have the example, would you show them that example today in your word, in your church, with your love? And Lord, those here today who have children that are in the home that are looking up to them, as many of us do, whether they're babies, elementary, or high school, Lord, may you use us to be examples. Lord, we as men, it's hard for us to admit when we're wrong. But may we walk in that kind of humility, showing them when we've done wrong, but asking them to follow us because we want to follow you. And, Lord, I pray you bless them on their job. I know that we as men, uh, we oftentimes hold our stress in. That's why we want to watch the game and unload at the bar or whatever. But, Lord, on the job, would you give us peace? Would you give us the kind of job that we can enjoy to work hard and be good at? And, Lord, I pray that those of us who are married here, that we would be examples to our wives, support them as mothers, and that, Lord, we will be the foundation for a society that honors you, that when the community looks for examples, they'll point to our house, our apartment, our condo, and say, someone lives there that cares about this neighborhood. Their family is an example. Their family is a blessing to this community. 
And Lord, lastly, I pray that we will also spiritually adopt other children because we just heard in the, in the word that there's fatherless people and then we heard testimonies from TJ and Jackie. So Lord, may we as men be examples to them. May we show them that they can grow up to either be a father or have a great father in their life. Now, everybody, stretch your hands towards them right now and just pray whatever prayer you would want to pray for them. Some of your fathers are up here right now. Come on, just pray for them. 30 seconds. Everyone just lifting up men in this place right now. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Jesus. We lift them up. They are precious to you. They can come to you when they don't know what to do. We don't have to pretend to know it all. We can come to you when we're weak. You'll make us strong. You know what each one is going through today. They came today to honor you, Lord. It may seem cheesy with the, with the cape, but, God, we mean it. We want them to remember today we think they're heroes. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Would you fathers turn around, and let's give a standing ovation to our fathers today as they receive a gift. Come on. Make some noise for these fathers. Amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss now. We'll have prayer workers up here in just a little bit, but have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy it. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Fathers, don't forget to go out to the back parking lot through the back door and take some pictures. Ushers will help you. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups.